Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Monday, October 3rd, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the Supreme Court's new term starts today. What to watch? Number two, the latest from the canvas Capitol Hill, with some interesting details on how Capitol Hill is viewing big tech these days. And number three, a look around the campaign ad space. All right, Jake, let's get into it. We are leading Punchable News AM with a very uh, kind of detailed look at some of the biggest cases that the Supreme Court uh, is going to be taking on this term, uh, some viewed with dread by Democrats in anticipation from Republicans, but a lot of potentially momentous decisions uh, following the June decision to strike down Roe versus Wade, really remaking the nation's political landscape in the process. Yeah, I mean, could we handle any more uh, big Supreme Court moments this this uh, election cycle? There are 36 days, Anna, before the election, uh, and um, the Supreme Court opens up its session today, um, or this week, rather. Um, uh, interesting, couple interesting cases to me. Number one, um, uh, the Supreme Court is diving into congressional politics or congressional matters, not necessarily politics, but um, about whether Alabama is the state I'm looking for. <laughs> their map uh, discriminates against black Alabamans by diluting their voting power, which would be a violation of the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Only one of Alabama's House seats is a majority minority district. That is uh, Terry Sewell's seat, uh, uh, Democrat from Alabama. One of the, and by the way, the only Democrat left in federal office by uh, 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 in Alabama and uh, black Alabamans make up more than one quarter of the state's residents. So that's uh, always interesting when the Supreme Court dives into congressional politics. Also, uh, a North Carolina case about the authority for drawing lines for the state's 14 congressional districts. North Carolina has had like 780 maps in the last a lot couple of drama, of years. a lot of drama <laughs> when it comes to the congressional map in North yeah. Carolina. And it's been a uh, very uncertain state as they try to kind of get the maps right, which they have never really actually done because they keep having to change it. So that all said, Anna, uh, an interesting Supreme Court session when it comes to our little slice of the universe. Absolutely. And I just think it's important to underscore, right, that these two cases are are going to be massive in terms of, uh, you know, what it looks like, what certain state li- lines look like, possibly. Um, there's a lot of other just big, high-profile issues that this conservative-dominant high court is going to take uh, on, including affirmative action, uh, minority representation, the way federal elections are held, immigration, EPA's authority over the Clean Water Act. I mean, they are going into a lot of hot-button issues at the time, as you kind of noted at the top, that the court in general is at a precarious place. You have justices openly bickering over the court's direction and public standing, um, you had Ginny Thomas, the wife of Justice Clarence Thomas, interviewed by the January 6th Select Committee last week. I mean, you're just, they're kind of, it's, it's, it's just a, almost like a new world for the Supreme Court, at least in, in terms of where they are standing and how integral they are right now um, with this new conservative court on a lot of key issues for Americans. That's right. Um, and you've never seen a... Um, uh, 
kind of the outward frustration and 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 calls of uh, of legitimacy or illegitimacy in this case um, from members of Congress uh, and the court's numbers are obviously quite low uh, approval ratings are quite low um, and uh, I'm not, I, to be honest with you I'm not sure how that's ever going to turn around Anna to be frank with you I mean the idea let's just dive into this part for a minute here the idea that Congress is going to expand the Supreme Court is a fantasy a pure fantasy um, there will not be 60 votes in any configuration that I could think of that would want to, um, that would approve of, um, expanding the Supreme court period. Just don't see it anywhere. So, um, I'm not sure where this is going to go. I'm not sure how this, how this works itself out. Remember the, our friends at Politico had the big, uh, leak of the Dobbs decision. There's not been any kind of reckoning over that uh, the Supreme Court promised or a justice uh, the, the several justices promised an investigation into that we haven't heard about that I guess we'll see that at some point in the future um, so I'm not sure how this turns around from a practical point of view all right let's go on to the number two story of the morning we are back with the canvas uh, which means this week we'll be rolling out some brand new data from our exclusive survey of top Capitol Hill aides. Of course, this is our joint project with Locust Street Group. Um, you know, really interesting, Jake, to me, what we are going to kind of talk about this morning, um, which is the top lines of big tech and the antitrust bill. And it's not terribly popular. Uh, pretty real. I mean, just we have been covering the twists and turns of big tech and the uh, the effort to rein them in, the frustration with them, these kind of odd bedfellows of Republicans and Democrats coming together, how these big tech companies have been pushing back. And um, now we, we see some some movement here, I guess I would say, when you have senior aides asked if their bosses support the American Innovation and Choice Online Act, the big tech antitrust bill, of course, penned by senators Amy Klobuchar and Chuck Grassley. Uh, the measure, which passed the Senate Judiciary Committee with a solid bipartisan majority back in January, would bar tech giants from using their vast market power to preferencing their own products or services. But that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. So let's just spend a second on this, Anna, um, because this is important and this is very current. 26% of aides say their bosses support the legislation. That's 26% overall. The interesting thing is um, 57% overall say they don't know or they don't support or oppose. I'm not sure what they do if they don't support or oppose. I guess they're neutral. Um, this tells us a few things. Number one, this is not no one's really paying attention to this bill because they don't believe it has a chance of getting passed. This is not top of mind on Capitol Hill. Forty one percent of Democrats support it. Eleven percent of Republicans support it. So this is just something that has not really gotten onto the radar uh, of many people on Capitol Hill. Now, remember the history here. Um, this past committee. Senate, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said when there's 60 votes, he'll bring it up for a vote. A lot of people in the tech space um, and in both on both sides of this issue. So tech supporters and and tech critics, people on both sides doubt that Schumer is going to bring this up. Um, and they just think for various reasons, he either doesn't want to or whatever. Uh, what it tells me is there's not 60 votes for it. I know I'll get calls from the tech, the anti-tech people uh, for saying that. But I mean, I'm just I, I just don't think there are 60 votes just because Chuck Grassley and Amy Klobuchar say there's 60 votes does not mean there are 60 votes. Um, 
there's some thought this will come up in the lame duck. Again, I am skeptical of that. Um, lame duck is going to be quite crowded. Uh, this would take up a lot of floor time, I think. Uh, but a, a really interesting data point that just shows uh, pe- this is not on people's radar. And if it is, many people, you know, um, uh, the support's not that high. You certainly are the fluidity of it, right? And the and the fact that you have a lot of uh, senior staff um, doubting, basically that it's not it's not a slam dunk. I guess is the best yeah, that's way, a of, good way of putting put it, it yep. from 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 this kind of snapshot of senior staff in a way that I think you have seen kind of the lawmakers try to position this as it just needs floor time. It's going to work, you know, it's going to pass, and clearly. Uh, the, the ink is not dried on that yet. So certainly going to be interesting. And especially how what does that mean for and how do some of these big tech firms, you know, continue to push their message here in Washington, uh, certainly through the rest of this year, but uh, even into next year, because it's as much as maybe this bill doesn't have a coalition of support at this point, or that's what it's kind of we're, we're reading the tea leaves here. Um, this isn't something that's going to go away, particularly if House Republicans take the majority in the House. They've already said that this is, you know, taking on big tech is going to be one of their big key uh, issues in terms of oversight. Um, so probably a lot more twists and turns here um, before before we are we're at the end of, of this issue. That's for sure. All right, let's move on to the number the three story of the morning. A look around the campaign ad space. Uh, we have a lot of news here this morning. I'm just going to kick it off. Uh, Republican Jennifer Ruth Green's campaign raised 1.3 million. In the third quarter, Green is running against a vulnerable frontline Democrat, Representative Frank Mervan of Indiana. That's a big number for a challenger in a House seat. Uh, Republicans regard Green, a black Air Force veteran, as one of their strongest recruits of the cycle. Man, $1.3 million, Jake. Do you remember when that was, I just, this is, it's amazing to me how much money folks are raising in this cycle. Yeah, it's crazy. And and um, remember with this Frank Mervan seat, this was the seat held by uh, Peter Visklosky, who is a longtime Democrat who had survived, um, uh, a lot of turmoil. He was now 1985 to 2021. And what I mean by turmoil is he survived the changing nature of that district as a Democrat. And uh, I believe uh, uh, a pro-life Democrat, I believe. Um, so I think that is um, it, it would be a big coup for Republicans to win that seat. They feel quite quite confident that they will win that seat. Um, uh, we'll have to see. I, I, you know, listen, anybody anybody could survive, but that district has changed a lot in the last uh, the last couple of years. It's a district that kind of uh, hugs. It's really it, Gary, Gary, Indiana, and South. Um, uh, and it hugs the uh, the lake. So we'll have to see what that we'll, we'll have to see how that all turns out. But Republicans feel quite confident. All right. And with that, just two quick notes. I want to give a shout out uh, this Friday. Punchable News co-hosted the annual fiscal New Year party at the Admiral in DuPont with the Modern Economy Project celebrating the new fiscal year with a champagne toast at midnight. It was a ton of fun. A big thank you to our hosts, Brad Howard of the Vogel Group, Lynn Whitehouse of AT&T, Jordan Wicker of the ISA Alliance, and Adam Schifris of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, uh, as well as just a note that our colleague, Heather Cagle, is going to be doing a virtual one-on-one conversation with Representative French Hill 
the Republican of Arkansas, on Wednesday, October 12th at 9 a.m., talking about issues facing American workers, healthcare costs, inflation, the impact of people's financial security. Going to be a very interesting and timely conversation. You can sign up for that at our events hub uh, at punchbowl.news. And with that, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Please share The Daily Punch. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can also subscribe to our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.